All right, yesterday marked the 20th anniversary of the terror attacks on the United States on September 11th. And uh, we're going to have a quick moment of silence in honor of all those who lost their lives, either as a direct result or indirectly of that day. And after that, we'll get the conversation started. Hello and welcome to Lexicon. It is Maddie. Lexi. Dylan. And today we're taking another deep dive into one of our favorite subjects, that being Harry Potter books. Yes. Yeah. This is going to be our second comb through of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Of course, we've done uh, three episodes. Well, actually more than that because some of them got split up. We've done three looks into Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, <laughs> a pair into the Chamber of Secrets, and a pair into Prisoner of Azkaban, and one each for four, five, six, and seven. Yes. And this is going to be number two for number four. Yeah. That sounded like an odd code for something. <laughs> uh, of Probably course, we're was. mainly just looking for uh, continuity error type things. All of it's pretty minor. There's a few big issues here and there. Of course, most of those we've covered in our previous looks. So we're really getting into the minutiae here. We're also going to take a look at just a few things that I feel are worthy of spotlighting for one reason or another. Yes. And to just generally have a good time with it. And of course, this isn't meant as a critique to the books at all because we're all still big fans. Yes. Uh, despite whatever feelings we may have for their creator. And again, I feel like we put this uh, preface on all these episodes now. It's a case of trust the art, not the artist. Yeah. If you uh, find yourself unable to be a fan of the Harry Potter books because your reviews on its author, we completely understand that. But then again, if you're not a fan of the Harry Potter books at this point, you probably wouldn't have checked out this episode anyway. Probably not. So it, we could probably stop saying that by now. But uh, without any further ado, I think we should dive in. We're probably going to split this up into two episodes because we know the last time we did this for Prisoner of Azkaban, we thought it was going to be a shorter episode, but it, it ran it pretty long. Not. So uh, we'll probably knock this into two episodes, and then uh, after that we're going to do another commentary from 1986. Yes. So uh, with all that said, I guess we'll get right into it. Are you two ready? Yeah. Sure. What's up? What's your hair? Nothing. Okay. So Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. This is, this is a good book. It's not my favorite, but I actually look at the Harry Potter books in tears usually. Yeah. Um, with... Why are you crying while looking at them? <laughs> I was reading good? Harry Potter books and I got something in my eye. Tears. Uh, no, seriously. I think seven, six, and three are top tier for me. Four and five are middle tier, and one and two are bottom tier. But they're all great. They're all fantastic. So you like rank them with that chart that's been going around lately? You mean like a tier list? Yeah, but there's like everyone's using the same exact one. And just you doing know, the people, whole bunch yeah, it's of like a, ranking, because it's, it's like a website or you, an app. You know, people started doing that like four years ago, right? I know, but it's been a trend lately. I've seen like everyone I follow is yeah, it's a trend four years ago. I, I maybe, but on that scale, I'd probably put them all at the top, probably, or maybe the top two at most. I'm just saying I can't necessarily order them if I really, really had not Even then, I don't know. For a long time, I maintained that. Three and six were my favorites, but the more I read seven, and I, I reread these books at least once a year. I really realize how much I love that book as well. And it's sort of like Endgame, you know, it, or, or even yeah. or Rogue One, even though technically that's a prequel. It's great because of what came before it, you know. Yeah. In Rogue One's case, it, it's on the timeline, the movies come after it, but they were made before it. And it's so great because of the way it leads into episode four. Yeah. In the case of Endgame, everything is built to that and that epic, you know, climax. And, and seven is very much that. Um, so those are at the top of those for me. And four and five are just really, really good, really dense. Um, one and two are really good, too. I feel like they're a little... Those books are a little more repetitive. I mean, you see some common themes throughout the books, like, oh, Harry has a falling out with Ron or Hermione, or Ron and Hermione have a falling out with each other. We, You know, Harry gets ostracized 
from the group at large. He's believed to be this or that. So, I mean, you see similar things throughout the books, but I feel like one and two are very, very similar. Yes. Two just sort of expands on the world a bit, and they're also the shortest of the two books. Three is when they started getting a little long, and then four is when they got really long. Of course, five is the longest. I used to think this book was huge. But, um... It's weird how five is the longest, and yet seven got two parts as a movie. Like? Seven is really dense, though, in, in, in the stuff that it covers. Not not that five isn't, but a lot of five is just going through the school year and dealing with Dolores Umbridge and, like, and, and the denial of, of Voldemort. So I feel, I, I see how you could condense that a little more easily than you could seven, because there's just so much going on in the seventh book. I would just like to say, uh, I feel as though I haven't watched it a whole lot, but just generally thinking about the movies, I typically say five's my favorite. I You know, the first I time I watched it, I was like, they did a pretty good job with this, but... The more I go back and read the books, the more I, they, they all suck. <laughs> the only ones that even come close are number one and uh, seven, part one. Nice. Uh, all I'm going to say, we're getting closer to the holidays. It's official, well, about officially Harry Potter watching days. season. So I may have to go back and rewatch the, some the of The fourth them. movie has so many interesting little tidbits in it. I'd love to go do a rewatch of it. We, we thought about doing that this year because I, I think it was an anniversary for it. Maybe. But I don't know. Hey, we've got a lot of commentaries that we've done so far this year and that we still plan to do, and it just didn't fit in the schedule with everything else. But Dylan and I were rewatching it the other day. It's got a lot of interesting little tidbits here that I just never noticed because I've watched all the movies multiple times, but I haven't poured over I'm, them as much as I have the books. I'm still not over the dress in it, so... Yeah, but of all the things, that that is a minor detail. It is, I know, but it's just I know annoying. it doesn't match. It, it is annoying. And it's but even it's... more annoying that I own the book that explains that they didn't do it for really any purposeful reason. They just thought it looked nicer. And it's like, but the book says blue. I mean, look, it's far less annoying than the fact that the dragon actually breaks his chain and he and Harry just fly around the castle. And nobody, <laughs> well, Harry might get eaten by a dragon. Guess we'll just have to deal with it. We <sighs> should go through and read the art book and there do are, something there about are, it. There are just way worse things in that movie. Um, it is kind of fun to see the characters you've read about come to life, but I just... I you gotta know, do it right. I don't think the movies do a good job maintaining the spirit of the books. We need new Harry Potter movies and new Lord of movies. <laughs> we, we, we've talked about those before. We've done Forget commentaries that, we get for a new Pussy Jackson, so... And, of course, we've read through the books. We haven't read... Yeah, we're just gonna do episodes where we read the books. <laughs> yes. We're books on doing audio books now. Anyway, no, Jim Dale's got that covered. I, oh. couldn't, I couldn't do the voices as well as he does. Nice to know. Alright, so anyway, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. The uh, second longest, maybe third longest in the series. Okay. I, be okay. I believe it's the book that takes the second longest to get to Hogwarts, too, not counting number seven. I think five, it takes a little longer, page count-wise. I think it definitely takes a bit longer than number seven. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a special <laughs> case, because they don't really attend Hogwarts that year, but they do end up there for the final battle. So it's kind of a trick question, yeah. depending on how you want to play it. But if the book's proper, where Harry's actually attending school there, I think... I think it's over 200 pages before they get there in book five. And it's like 170-something in this book. Nice. Um, my favorite chapter in Harry Potter and Goblet of Fire, The Parting of the Ways, mm -hmm. for the record. And like I say, I'd put, I would put this above book five just because book five is so dark. And I don't mind a dark story, but it, it, it wears me a little bit like Harry's going through so much that year. You know, you, Harry goes through a lot when he's young. There's not, you know, there, there's just... That's another reason I think I like Six, too, is that it's, until the end, it's such a break from what we went through in the fifth book, which is a great book and a great story, but it's you know it's just heavy the whole time, and I feel like there's more room to breathe in book four. Yeah, it's hard to read a book when it's dark. A lot of people say this is when the, the series gets really serious, but I, I think that's silly. It is when it starts to get really long, Yeah. but I mean, in book three, you're dealing with the mentors sucking people's souls out, and a wizard killing 13 muggles with a single curse, and the betrayal of Harry's parents, and I mean... 
Yeah. Look at the basilisk killing people with its eyes. I mean, there's definitely heavy stuff in the early books. And then number one, there's a stone. <laughs> Not a kidney stone, though. Oh, God. Yeah. And Harry, this dude has Harry another Potter face. The <laughs> that's the later era. That's like, that's like middle age Harry. Harry Potter and the kidney stones. <laughs> he's, he, well, he was dealing with while his kids were off doing whatever. I guess you could. I guess wizards can just magic that stuff away, though. Can Probably. they, though? Probably. I don't think they deal what with a lot of... What would they do with it, though? I don't know. Put it out in the garden? You know something fine. Where do any vanished object go in the wizard? I don't know. How do you just just vanish something though? You know, it's fine. I mean you could also break it up too, so it wouldn't be so big and causing you issues. So I I would imagine wizards could deal with it. They probably figured something out. This is not any question where we break down how they deal with kids. Wizards, my pa, at least in D and D rules, would be sorcerers. Cool. Because they they are born with magic. And in Britain, the Sorcerer's Stone is the Philosopher's Stone. Wow. <laughs> That's kind of conversation, you two. <laughs> and Dr. Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme, would be ruled a wizard. Nice. Because he has to learn his magic. That's completely unrelated to this day. <laughs> Interesting. I like that designation, though, that sorcerers are born with it. Yeah, that's, that's the D&D. Maybe they're born with it. Maybe it's a wizard. Maybe you're born with it. Maybe you're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> all right, anyway, we should get into it. We should start with all the silliness. Well, we're going to continue with the silliness, but a, a different level of silliness. So I have my notes here, and of course, these were handwritten, and now I'm just reading uh, photographic copies of them. Sorry, it's how I work. It's okay. So, all right, getting into it. Oh, hold on, I'm going to take a drink really quickly. Say something about Harry Potter. Uh, I don't have anything to say about Harry Potter. I was Googling about the sorcerers and wizards. I was curious if that was, like, taken from something prior. I watched for my drink D&D. as well because I didn't want to speak. Wow, I don't have a drink. <clears throat> I have an iPad, though. All right, we're going to begin, appropriately enough, in Chapter 1, The Riddle House, on page 4. Okay, my note says, no one stayed in the Riddle House. Oh, yeah, okay. See if I can find this. The, uh, I'll read it straight out of the book. No one else is in of the Riddle Of course, we're referring to the house where uh, Voldemort's father was raised, and Voldemort would go back and kill his grandparents and his father. Yes. In uh, Little Hangleton, I believe, or Greater Hangleton. It's one of those. I do not remember. If I looked at Yeah, Little Hangleton. Well, it's like up on the hill. I think, I think Hangleton is down in the valley, and the big house is up on the hill. So anyway, uh, which uh, again, going back, Voldemort had killed his parents or his grandparents, the Riddles, and their son Tom Riddle, after whom he was named. Um, page four, really? Well, okay, yeah, and 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 uh, Frank, the caretaker, the gardener, what have you, he stayed with the house through subsequent owners, and this chapter involves him a great deal. But the point here is that uh. Even though Frank stayed around the whole time, neither of the families who lived there after the riddle stayed long. Perhaps it was partly because of Frank that the new owner said there was a nasty feeling about the place because Frank had been accused of the murders of the riddles. Because mm-hmm. Marble Police didn't know anything about, you know, magic. Reasonable. Magic. The new owner said there was a nasty feeling about the place which, in the absence of inhabitants, started to fall into disrepair. <sighs> and uh, I wondered, was the nasty feeling due to the town's feelings toward the house and to a lesser or greater degree, Frank, or was it a case of uh, 
magic leaving traces, like Dumbledore speaks about, especially in book six? Or did uh, Voldemort curse the house, perhaps, to keep people from ever inhabiting it full time? That's very possible. I, I think all those things are possible. The rat living in the little house, being Voldemort. Do what? I said the rat living in the little house, being Voldemort's curse. The rat living in it. I'm confused. It, it's a it's a joke saying there's a rat living in it. He said there's a rat somewhere, and the rat is like the manifestation of the curse. No, that's not no. What? I said it's beating the curse. Oh, beating the I don't so, even know. It sounded like he said being. He said curse that no one would inhabit it, and I said that there would be a bat that would Oh. Wow, this Maybe I don't bit, reply to people. Wow, so. no one understood. No, we could not understand I what you were saying. I thought it was a saying. TikTok or something. No. That I, I was no. out of the loop on. I was just joking. It was, it, it was a poorly wow. communicated joke. I am very bad at communicating. Facts. So, what do we think most likely? Just ill feelings toward Frank and the murders that occurred there? A curse or a case of magic leaving traces? I think of magic leaving traces. Alright, so from there, did I even give my thought on that? I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of like the idea of Voldemort cursing the house. Yeah. Or again, I like the idea of magic leaving traces just because it builds into what we see later on. Uh-huh. So I think I'd, I'd probably lean toward the magic leaving traces. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know that Voldemort would have cared enough to curse the house itself. Probably not. Right. Not always possible. Alright, sticking in chapter one, still in the Riddle House, both uh, literally and chapter-wise. Well. Here we have a conversation going on between Wormtail and Voldemort. Okay. Where Wormtail, uh... My lord, I must speak, said Wormtail, panicking his voice now. Although our journey have gone over the plan in my head, my lord, both the Jorkins' disappearance will not go unnoticed for long, and if we proceed, if I murder... If... Must have been the second voice. If... If you follow the plan, Wormtail, the Ministry need never know that anyone else has died. Point is here, who was Wormtail supposed to murder at this point? Cedric was just an innocent bystander for all intents and purposes. Yeah. They didn't know about Frank the Gardener, even though he's going to get killed by the end of this chapter. He wasn't part of the plan. No. And, uh, well, I know you're going to say Harry, but... Voldemort was on to say, Come, Wormtail! One more death and our path to Harry Potter is clear. I don't see anybody they have to kill to get to Harry at this point. Me neither. Yeah, he, he flat out states, one more death and our path to Harry Potter is clear. So don't argue that it's Harry. That, Unless uh, they're trying to for some odd reason to go for Dumbledore. But they're not in this case. Exactly. Like I say, and like I say, Frank Bryce does get killed, but that was sort of incidental. Same with Cedric. The plan wasn't for Cedric to end up there. They, ahead, and, and, and they weren't going to kill Mad-Eye. They wanted to just uh, imprison him and be able to... So uh, Barty Crouch Jr. could, you know, talk to him and, and learn his stories and his memories and so he could keep using his hair to make the Polyjuice Potion. So I, I, there's no instance I can see, and I've read this book multiple times, where there's supposed to be another murder before Harry, assuming Harry's supposed to be killed. But they're not yeah. talking about Harry here because Voldemort clearly says, one more murder and our path to Harry Potter is clear. Yeah. So who is that murderer? I have no idea. Does anybody have this information? Who is it intended to be again? I mean, Barty Crouch Sr. gets killed too, but they don't kill him initially. They just uh, use the Imperius curse on him. Yeah. What page are you on at the moment? Ten. Okay. I have the digital book that I pulled up, and I'm like, wait, what? What page are we even looking at here? But uh, so so again, we we have three other murders before. They try to use Harry's blood to resurrect Voldemort, but none of them were specifically intentional. Yeah. I mean, maybe the plan was to eventually kill Barty Crouch Sr., but I don't 
think so. I think that was more because he escaped and they couldn't control him enough anymore. I, I think all these were unplanned deaths at this point. Yeah. So I've, I've you know, thought that over long and hard and I can't come up with anything. According to this, the UK edition is actually different. Oh. It's one more obstacle removed and I have to have pause, Claire. That's strange because the UK edition is probably, well... Maybe by maybe by book four the UK edition wouldn't have come out first. I think I think with the first book, Philosopher's Stone predates Sorcerer's Stone, if I'm not mistaken. But then by the fourth book, it's such a big worldwide phenomenon. Maybe the US version would have come out first. And we have seen that sometimes there are differences in different editions, not not only for different regions, but even just different printings in the same region. Yeah. And then later on, he says like one more curse. But at least uh. I have multiple copies of the U.S. version, and they all talk about this murder in this case. So there could be another U.S. edition that is different, but I haven't seen it. I, I've read at least three different copies of the U.S. version, and they all say the same thing. Yeah. I'm on the digital version. I would just like to say, if anybody's on the digital version via Amazon, it's uh, it's not page 10. What's not? Oh. On the digital version. It's like page 4. It's interesting. That's kind of annoying. I mean, I understand it because it is a different format, but I feel like you should at least try to match up the pages. Yeah. Between the different formats. It took, it took me a minute. I went to uh, page 10, he's, and it's, hey, writing a letter to Sirius. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, I don't think that's the conversation we're breaking down at the moment. All right, so on page 12 of chapter 1 of the Riddle House, we're continuing the same vein. We're hearing the thoughts of Frank as he's listening outside the door. Um... Frank's thinking uh, the man with the cold voice had killed a woman. He was talking about it without any kind of remorse, with amusement. He was dangerous, a madman, and he was planning more murders. This boy, Harry Potter, whoever he was, was in danger. Now, again, this always read a little strange to me because, yeah, it seems like Harry's in danger, but Voldemort didn't expressly say he was going to kill Harry Potter. Or that Harry was in danger. He just said he wanted to get to him. And again, the murder they're talking about wasn't Harry. We know that from context, and they certainly never said it was Harry. Yeah. So again, it's kind of weird. Everybody's saying that he's going to kill Harry, which he does want to in the end, but he's not expressly stating that at this point, and Frank wouldn't have the uh, backstory to know that. No. Because so, clearly he, he's not familiar with the situation. I'm going to uh, follow up on this, because we're talking about the same thing. Uh, first off, Chapter 2, The Scar... Now we're uh, back in Harry's bedroom at the Dursley's house. He's just woken up after having seen everything going on, or at least some of what was going on with Voldemort and Wormtail and Frank in his dream. Yeah. And um, it says, let's see, on page 17, it's the second page of the chapter. Hi. Uh, yeah, that went great. <laughs> I was I looking did, at my did, stuff. Did, did, did. Someone remix that. And Please don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. If anybody's digitally, it's page seven. Did you did you want to say something before I read this part? No, you're good. Okay. So anyway, page 17 in uh, chapter two, The Scar. We're sort of listening to Harry's thoughts. Voldemort and Wormtail had been talking about someone they had killed, though Harry could not remember the name, and they had been plotting to kill someone else. Him, referring to Harry. But again, they did not say they were going to kill Harry. They said they wanted to get to Harry, and Harry could, you know... Interpret that as being they wanted to kill him because he knows that's what Voldemort wants in the end or assumes it. But again, they did not say he was. They were going to kill Harry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have two more notes. I'm going to jump ahead. It's an assumption based on context clues. You know, more, but, but, but he but he expressly the text expressly says they were planning to kill someone. Him, like he just makes that jump. Yeah. But that's not. I mean, they they if he heard the whole conversation, 
they said one more murder and then we get to Harry. So they're yeah. plotting to kill somebody else just to get to Harry. Yeah. Well, I mean, one more, more. It's a translation now. Well, not translation. It's not a translation. It's all English. It's not translation. But like, uh, yeah. uh, guys, I've come to the conclusion. But I don't know about that because, like I said, I think the U.S. version might have been first back then. Go ahead. I was gonna say I've come to the conclusion that I don't like digital books. I nor do I. You, you, I literally looked at the book to see what page you were on, and then I found that exact layout on the digital copy. It was the next page, but both of those are labeled page seven. Weird. I was, was a, but I was on page seventeen, so <laughs> true. Anyway, um, continuing the same vein before we continue our chronological of the book, I'm going to jump ahead really far because there's two more points in the book that concern this same uh, conversation. Uh, on page one forty nine, we're all the way up in chapter ten, which we'll revisit later. There is, I believe, a reference here. All right. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Harry is. Um, this is when I think he finally gets to tell Ron and Hermione about the dream. Mm-hmm. And uh, Harry says, I'm sure he wasn't on Privet Drive, but I was dreaming about him. Him and Peter, you know, Wormtail. I can't remember all of it now, but they were plotting to kill someone. He had teetered for a moment on the verge of saying me, but couldn't bring himself to make Hermione look any more horrified than she already did. And again, he didn't hear him say they were going to kill him. They were plotting to kill someone and then do something to him. Yeah. Okay, it actually released in the UK and the US at the same day. Yeah, I was only finding one date. That's pretty odd. Yeah, and it says curse instead of murder in the UK version, for some reason. That's very And more obstacle. There are some cases where I, I know there'll be like a British term like bogey instead of booger. Yeah. And like in the Sorcerer's Stone, we get booger, but later on when they talk about like the bat bogey hex, it's back to bogey. So it seems like the, the, the bigger the books got, the more they allowed more British terms to permeate the other English versions. But anyway, one more reference to this is going to be all the way up on page 284. I'm not finding the digital version for um, any of y'all on ebooks. Have fun. Again, another chapter we will we will revisit later. Uh, chapter 17, the four champions, the four champions, friends. Made my favorite line reading in any movie ever. Nice. Actually, there, there's some really great line readings in Harry Potter movies. I love. When, yeah. I love when Ron's like, I felt weird though. I could never be cheerful again. Fantastic. And that, that's actually fantastic because it's a great line reading. The Victor line is just horribly bad. <laughs> oh, my, oh my god, the Barty Crouch line. There's some really <laughs> bad, there's bad, some really so bad overacting in Goblet of Fire. But anyway, I'm getting off topic, so let me stop it. Goblet of Fire and find it. So may I remind you that his page 10 was my page 4, his page 17 was my page 7. Well, anyway, we're on my page 284. You in the UK version? <laughs> Chapter 17, The Four Champions. Um, Harry, of course, this is after we found out that Harry is going to be... In the, uh, uh, the tournament, tournament of champions, what's it called? The Triwizard Tournament. Triwizard Tournament. Thank you. Which I always thought was silly. I mean, I'm sure we covered this in the other book, so I'm not Probably. gonna. It's not gonna be in my notes here, and we're not gonna go in, in depth about it. But if you're curious, my thoughts on it. I know that like it's a binding magical contract, and maybe there's some magic that would make him die if he didn't compete in it. But other than that, he, that seems a bit whole. The rules were laid out right? that he couldn't enter, so he, he should have been disqualified when his name came out. They should have been like, oh well, he came out of the goblins, so he's got to compete. Well, oh, no, he was never allowed to be part of it, so no problem. We just keep him out. But, if, if the Goblet of Fire does that, just, so he's like a roulette wheel or something. In the 90s. Like, you know, those like bingo spinners. Whatever so he's like that instead. decade this is. Yeah. Much different than our world. Anyway, well, we know the Wizarding World's cutthroat. Facts. Anyway, on the top of page 284, uh, yet in the dream he had had, just before he had awoken with his scar hurting, Voldemort had not been alone. He had been talking to Wormtail, plotting Harry's murder. Again, 
Maybe, but he doesn't say that. Like, it's not necessarily a bad a assumption, but to why get to Harry. Do it? Exactly. I mean, so that's just always bugged me. I mean, that that, that stress on. But again, they specifically said they were going to kill somebody that wasn't Harry because they had to kill that person to get to Harry. It's not all about you, Harry. Now, Frank assumed it too. Okay, it is. So. Frank's yeah. writing fan fiction about Harry Potter. <laughs> yep. All right, I think we can get off this topic for a while now as we jump to page. Uh, anybody got anything else they want to say about it? I mean, mm-hmm. clearly they're no. planning to murder somebody else, somebody that we don't know about. I guess they just dropped dead or got out of the way. Like, oh, don't kill him now. Move along. <laughs> Something like that. And they that. never stated they were going to kill Harry. So, and, and and their plan is not to kill Harry at first. They need Harry's blood and they, you know, to resurrect Voldemort. So their plan really isn't to kill Harry. That's just sort of. I mean, they kill him. Vol- they get some blood. That's Voldemort's. Well, I guess they need the blood while he's alive or something. Hey, and, yes. Voldemort, and, and at this point, Voldemort still wants to kill him himself. So even though that is Voldemort's endgame, that's not exactly the point of getting to Harry. That's not the point of this whole plan. The point is to resurrect Voldemort using, in part, Harry's blood. Yes. All right, anyway, moving along. Still in Chapter 2, uh, page 23. My note says, I still question whether Dumbledore would have... Okay, yeah. The simple re- the, uh, We're talking about uh, how Harry had met Sirius the previous year and found out he was his godfather. Uh, uh, but he and they mentioned that Sirius hadn't been around because he had been locked in Azkaban for a crime he didn't commit which I still say all the ways the wizards have of finding out the truth there was no reason for him yeah. to sit in jail for that long but I digress that's A the previous book and not even the last episode we did on that book it was the one before that when we covered that which is still one of the most outlandish things in the books to me and one of the things I have the most trouble really that and the full moon issue with Lupin and the climax of that book those are like the biggest plot holes to me in all of Harry Potter nice Harry Potter has a lot of plot holes Fact. You know, not as many as you would think, though. As much as going on these books, a lot of the stuff is really minor quibbling. It's it's a really well constructed story, especially since it probably wasn't all laid out from beginning to end when she first started writing, and a lot of it she had to you know work on as she went. What if yeah. somebody wrote a book that was just full of plot holes, but it was like intended that way, so somehow it all ends up making sense? <laughs> that the van, all the plot holes are done with like one sentence. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the final sentence of the book of the series, and you just hit the like, holy shit. It clears up everything. 17 years. <laughs> it's been 17 years. <laughs> Take that, haters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, on page 23, again, talking about Sirius, they, they mentioned the fact that uh, for one glorious hour, Harry believed that he was leaving the Dursleys at last because Sirius had offered him a home once his name had been cleared. And what I'm getting is, I don't know if Dumbledore would have actually let Harry live with Sirius. I don't think that Dumbledore uh, laid it out to where Harry couldn't live with Sirius. You know, he does help Harry help serious escape but he doesn't really help him clear his name when maybe Dumbledore could have so I'm not suggesting that, that Dumbledore's like well I can't let Sirius be free and Harry go live with him because then he wouldn't my whole point is he wouldn't have the protection that the, the spell that yeah. Dumbledore cast gives him when he's in the Dursley's home that, that, that wouldn't exist in Sirius' house because he and Sirius aren't blood relation so I'm, again I'm not suggesting that it's Dumbledore's machination that Sirius was allowed to, to, to live but not live free in his own house yeah but, but simply that if Sirius' name had been cleared. I don't think that Dumbledore would have let Harry go. I'm not saying it's necessarily Dumbledore's choice, but I think he would have. He would have done that, something that too. We can't do this because it. there's magic that I laid out that protects you from Voldemort and his supporters, and they can't yeah. touch me in the Dursley. So, I do think that even if Sirius had been cleared, Harry wouldn't have actually been able to go to live with him. Yeah. I don't think it would have been safe enough, but probably not. It didn't happen anyway. So facts. He never gets his chance to live with Sirius. 
Alright, uh, continuing on the same chapter, the very next page, page 24, and uh, still talking about Sirius. Uh, Sirius had been writing Harry letters, Harry had been writing le letters back, uh, but the uh, birds that had delivered Sirius's letters weren't owls, they were uh, big tropical birds, or at least one of them had been. Yeah, both had been delivered, not by owls, as was usual with wizards, but by large, brightly colored tropical birds. So I'm wondering uh, what kinds of birds besides owls and apparently big tropical birds deliver letters for wizards. I mean, I guess... Pigeons? Pigeons. Not what I, at all what I was going to say. I was going to say, I guess if, if you're out away from owls, you would have to have other things. Don't owls pretty much... I mean, not necessarily the same types of owls, but aren't owls pretty much on every continent? Am, am I wrong? Yes. I, I don't know. Look, owls are the night. I know, I know, I know. Later on in this book, Hermione claims that that Hedwig is not a native bird to England or Scotland, at least. Yeah. But um, a that could be conjecture. B, just because that type of owl is not native, doesn't mean that other types of owls aren't. Yeah. Um, but also besides that, I was thinking, how far south do Sirius end up going to have tropical birds? Because there's no part of Britain that's in the tropics. Fact. Who had it with them? I mean, he's probably going to have to go at least to, like, south of Spain, or maybe southern France. Maybe. Or, or, or northern Africa. Very possibly. I'm thinking, to get to get tropical birds. Um, but they do mention that, too, when Harry's waiting for a response from Sirius. Hermione and Ron want to, like, what if he's in Africa? Hedwig wouldn't make that journey in a day or two. So I, I, I think that could well be where he is. They never How fast sure. can a bird fly that far? I don't know. How much would it have to stop is the question. I think it'll take a while. I haven't found where all owls are found, but would anybody like no. to know what a group of owls is called? An owl. It's not a. They're not the ones that are called a murderer, are they? No, those no, are crows. crows. Yeah. Then, no. I, then I'm not sure. A group of owls is called a parliament. Parliament. Yep. Interesting. Owls are one in England. <laughs> uh, I'm seriously. Why is there not a page? Never mind. Uh, they're found pretty much everywhere except for when it's, when it's really cold, like Antarctica and Greenland. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, so I'm pretty sure you could get an owl wherever you are. Yeah. In theory, I guess. In theory. Okay, he well, didn't feel like getting an owl. He wanted to be unique and special. Anyway, if nobody has any more thoughts on birds, we're going to move up to uh, Chapter 4 now, Back to the Burrow. At this point, Harry and the Dursleys are waiting for the Weasley to show up to pick Harry up for him to go stay with them and uh, attend the Quidditch World Cup and return to Hogwarts from their care. Yeah. Uh, I'm on page 41 of the physical copy of the book. It's uh, three pages into the chapter. And uh, at this point, the Weasleys are running late. They had planned to pick him up at 5 o'clock, I think. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure what it said. That would probably be the previous chapter. And so, yeah, it would be arriving at 5 o'clock the very next day, it says on page 1 of this chapter. But uh, they're running late. Yeah. And I think they end up, yeah, quarter to five here. goes back to his room. Five o'clock came and went. They're late. I, I'm moving along in chapter a little because it's not any one specific amount of text that I'm getting. But the point is, the Weasleys are running late. Around and, page 17 oh, of the digital copy. Uh, I want to say it's like 5.30 by the time they show up or so. Okay. Quarter past five at half past yet. At half past is when they end up showing up. And, and what they do is they take flu powder. Mr. Weasley has the uh, Dursley's house connected to the flu network just for a day so they can use it even though it's not uh, allowed by the rules, strictly speaking. But my point is, why were they late? Especially they were just taking flu powder. All they do is hop in their fireplace. Very true. I, I guess they, specific, they specifically said, hey, 
We're going to be there at five. It seems like they could pretty much be there at five if they wanted to. Yeah. What, what, what? I mean, it's not like they had to bring anything with no, them. No, just getting dressed or whatever. I don't know. I mean, they're not, they're not sitting around the house naked. <laughs> they could have been. I don't think the Weasleys are nudists. <laughs> I'm just saying, they could have been. <laughs> But, uh, but you know, all, all the Weasley kids to deal with them. About not one fed and okay, they're not like Lon little. They're not in. like little kids running around. Sleeping no. in, it's five o'clock. <laughs> it's Ron. <laughs> and Ron didn't have to come. Well, I'm going to hate Ron. <laughs> I, I don't hate saying. Ron. Ron's like, yeah, Ron's like one of the most genuine Ron's cool with the books. Hype off. Well, me. And, but and I, he's a way more, he's a way, he's a way more developed character in the books than he is in the movies, where he's just kind of the dumb friend. Uh, dumb but loyal. Fact. I mean, except in, you know, book four and book seven. <laughs> dumb but loyal. And, 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 and not loyal to Hermione in book six. Or parts of book three. But, you know. <laughs> he, he, he's at the very Loyal top. except for most of the series. He's loyal to Scabbers, though. Oh, God. Until it turns out to be Pettigrew. Until Scabbers plays him. But that's not really Ron's fault. <laughs> Alright, anyway, let's move along now. Into chapter 5, Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. Uh, Harry has come to stay at the Burrow. And on page 56 and or 57, Harry and Ron are up in Ron's room. And uh, Ron comes in, edging his way between two of the four beds that have been squeezing the room. Fred and George are in here with us because Bill and Charlie are in their room. Pussy gets to keep his room all to himself because he's got to work. So, you know, they're cramming four people into a small room here. And I'm just thinking, couldn't they use magic to expand the room, at least temporarily? Probably. We've seen instances of this, especially with, like, Hermione's bag and the inside of cars. Yeah. And I and I know there's a fair amount of magic holding up the burrows it is, but it seems like they could at least expand the room just for a couple weeks while they have company. Yeah. Some Sometimes the limits on magic in these books is a little convenient. <laughs> Facts. Or just, just lazy, like, mm, we could, but let's not bother. Bill's character. Making the boys cram in there together. <laughs> Don't want in there. Oh, I have a note about C-367. Th- okay, I think that's the next note. So, if nobody has any more thoughts on uh, magical expansions, we're going to move ahead. Okay. I, I, I'm having so much trouble finding this in the digital version. I'm sorry. I guess we could have sat down and spent time marking it out. Let's see, which page is this Maybe now? Maybe next book. Yeah, because this is so odd. And like, yeah, I'm just maybe skimming... next book, the longest in the series. <laughs> I'm just skimming the pages like, he just said what was happening. And I just want to point out, even though this it. is our second time through this book, I have seven pages of notes. Ah! Ah! So. Seven pages. How? I just. Oh, you know, when you read these books enough, you, you start to notice little things. Fast. A lot of y'all notice on the first read through, but the second, third, you're like, you know, where is that? I wonder. There's a little thing. That's uh, why this all started. Well, no, it all started because we looked at the. Uh, I always thought that the, uh, the obstacle course in Route to Eden the Sorcerer's Stone was a little silly and not really something that would be that much of a defense. It was more like here's a challenge for you. Yeah. But then from there, it's a fun game show. I'd read, but I'd read through some of the books and I'd think about some things that were like that doesn't quite make sense to me. And I'd make little notes. I'm like, you know, I should go through and do the whole book like this. And so you know, you just pick up on stuff as you're reading. And again, I don't think any of these things are. None of them are. Uh, book breaking none of them ruin the series for me or even the books themselves it's just things that are like yeah, maybe that could use a little more explanation or it doesn't quite make sense it still all works perfectly well anyway we're, we're up to a chapter 7 now okay Bagman and Crouch 
I really wish Bagman was in the movie, too. I, I miss him. He'd be a good character. I'm sorry. Chapter 7 starts on page 30 in the digital version. Well, it, start, well, it starts on page... Uh, i got to flip back for that. Because I'm, I'm on page 93. I'm well, it starts on page 75. <laughs> How many pages on the, uh, in the physical book? I'm just 700 curious. and some. Hold on. I'll give you an exact number. 734. 298 for digital. That's, that's a lot. That's... So wait. Okay. The first page on chapter 7, it starts... Well, obviously they're going to start at the same place. Yeah. I don't think they're going to change it. But that page, that ends. A man was standing in the doorway looking out at the tents. Oh, gosh. Of course. Yeah, that's on page 77, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, it's on page 76. That's only half. I mean, that's about a full page. Because, I mean, the chapters, the, the uh, first page of the chapter is not a full page because they have the artwork and the chapter heading and everything. Yeah. But, I mean, if you, if you go from there to that, that's about one page worth in the book. This is just... This is crazy, because it doesn't look... But, yeah, I mean, you're a... I mean, it looks really condensed in the book, to me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look condensed on the iPad, is what I'm trying to say, you know? It doesn't look like they fit a lot onto one page in the digital version compared to the book. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, that is not exactly the subject of our discussion, so... No. But I'm concerned So at, digital at, copies at this books. point, we are at the... Uh, campsite for the Quidditch World Cup. Amazing. Nice. So I'm in a Hogwarts show, 93 pages in. <laughs> 30 pages if you're on digital. Um, oh yeah, here we go. Tiny, uh, they're talking about the salesmen that have started operating every which way from whom you can buy swag at the event, including uh, tiny models of fireballs that really flew and collectible figures of famous players which strolled across the palm of your hand printing themselves. Ron, of course, buys a figure of Crom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. But how do these? I wonder how these figures work because they're not alive, obviously. Magic. Yes, Dylan, I'm aware of that. <laughs> but I mean, exactly what sort of spell is on it that they can act sort of like the you know the people they represent? They move around, but they what makes the photos? Apparently, only do so much. I know, but photos are. I think you develop them in a certain potion. I don't think you make these figures in a potion. Like, Maybe you do though. Like drip the potion on them. Like drip, drip. But I also have another note. It says to see three uh, page three sixty seven. As well, so maybe there's another reference to the figure. I, I think I know what this might be, but let me see. This is a chapter 21, the House of Liberation Front. We'll probably be back here later. But, um, probably. Yeah, this is, this is a reference to a, the model of the dragon that Harry pulls out of the bag to represent which dragon he's facing. Yeah. And uh, he sets the Hungarian horn tail model on the table next to the bed where it yawns, curls up, and closes its eyes. Aww. So it, it's, it's got some personality in it, but it's not going to fly away. It's not like wildness. I, mean, I don't think it does. We never, does we never hear about it again, but I'm just I'm just wondering exactly how these figures work. And just saying magic is not enough. Magic is not enough. So, no thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there are thoughts, Wait, or yeah, there's not. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm great at conversations. My next note is yeah. the, the one on, well, I'm moving on, since you guys don't seem to have much thought. And I, and I really don't need them. They're, they're clearly not alive, but they're, they're almost sentient, it, it seems, but... Maybe? They're just magically programmed. I wonder how, how much they're like the chess pieces that we True. talked about before. But chess pieces seem to have real personalities, because they apparently, like, shout at her, like, you know, move him instead of me, we can yeah. move him, so... 
I don't know. I don't think these are real, like, living beings that the wizards are using, but I would hope they're not anyway. Yeah. Well, anyway, with no more thoughts on that, my next note is the one on page 40, 149 that we covered already where we're talking about the potential murder of Harry. So we'll skip that, and we'll go to page 151, which uh, Mew. is going to be chapter 10, Mayhem at the Ministry. Why do they need to mess with... Oh, yeah, okay. I think I covered this perhaps multiple times in here. Even though the chapter's called Mayhem at the Ministry, we're actually uh, back at the borough. And um, everybody's getting ready for school. I believe school starts the next day. And they mentioned that uh, Jenny is mending her copy of 1,000 Magical Herbs and Fungi with Spellotape on the rug in front of the living room fire. Why are they messing with tape when they got... Can't they just repair all that stuff? <laughs> I mean, fucking repair We've covered this before. I know technically she can't yeah, use magic yeah. outside school, but can't mom or dad just repair it? It's like... A little no. busy. It builds character to fix your books with tape. Yep. Like, Fuck you, mom. Just wave your wand. <laughs> Jesus. Look, it's an aesthetic. <laughs> they need to look... It's the family aesthetic. I mean, it's like bohemian. I don't get it. What's the... <laughs> Tape is the aesthetic. Exactly. If you say so. <laughs> uh, I have a feeling we may revisit that at some point. We've definitely talked about stuff like that before, so we'll move on for now. Uh, chapter 11 now, Aboard the Hogwarts Express, on page 164... Oh my god, one It's a lot easier to know what you're doing. You almost had Hogwarts. No, you're good. Yeah, we're not there yet, though. I think we're at uh, platform nine and three quarters. Yeah, uh, Bill and Mrs. Weasley have come along with the Weasleys and Harry and Hermione to see them off. And uh, Bill says, uh, Yeah, I sort of wish I were back at Hogwarts this year. Why, said George impatiently. You're going to have an interesting year, said Bill, his eyes twinkling. I might even get time off to come and watch a bit of it. So I'm wondering, were there spectators from outside the school other than the uh, families for Task 3? Because the families of the champions I know come to watch Task 3. Yeah. Uh, but we never had any mention of anybody coming to watch the other tasks other than, like, the judges. True. It was on like live a, television, like, obviously. Um, Barty Crouch and uh, Ludo Bagman are, are there, and then Percy starts taking over for Barty. With the second task, and Cornelius Fudge is there for the third one. But, and of course, I, I know the I know the families of the champions, or in Harry's case, the Weasleys are there. Some of them. It was on Magic TV. But uh, again, Bill's gonna. I mean, he doesn't know that Harry's gonna be in the tournament. Yeah. I, at this point, none of his brothers, because yeah, Percy's not at school, so none of the, none of the Weasleys would be old enough to be in it. So. No. It, this goes back too to like the uh, the Quidditch final in Book Three, where they talk about. 200 spectators in just the Slytherin seats when there's no way there's 200 Slytherins at the school. I guess they invite families for the event. I suppose, but it's never mentioned in any other place. And again, we never hear any mention of any outside spectators for any of the other uh, events at the tournament. And and, in the third one, we only hear about the families being there. So, sort of a weird comment, it seems. Yeah. But that was page 65. In the digital copy. Okay, well, in the physical copy, we're going to move up now to page 211. This is chapter 14, The Unforgivable Curses. Oh, no. This is when uh, Moody teaches his, well, Barty Crouch Jr. disguised as Mad-Eye Moody. Which I still think Dumbledore should have been able to see through. He probably did. He's a dick, kind of. I don't think so. It does. That does not seem <laughs> to be the case. Sometimes we think Dumbledore lets some stuff go, and you're like... Why would he do that? I guess he has. I don't think he. I don't think that's the case here. 
So at this point, Moody tells the class, or again, Barty Crouch has Moody. Got one year to teach you how to deal with dog. What, you understand? Ron blurted out. And then Moody uh, continues. You'll be Arthur Weasley's son, eh? Your father got me out of a very tight corner a few days ago. Yeah, I'm staying just the one year. Special favor to Dumbledore. One year, and then back to my quiet retirement. Ha! Anyway, uh, my question is, did Dumbledore ask Moody to only stay one year because he realized that the job was cursed? <laughs> Probably. Ever since he denied it to, to uh, Voldemort, they've only kept Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers for one year at a time. Yeah. And some say the job is cursed, so did he know that Moody wouldn't want to stay that long or they only needed him for a single year? Or he's like, well, it's cursed. I don't want anything to happen to you. Just stay for one year and then hopefully nothing will happen to you. Something does, as we know, but was that the idea? Maybe they just hire for one year to stick with tradition. They're like, something's probably going to happen to you. Don't want to hire someone else next year. Isn't isn't that just the same thing, though? I guess. If the tradition is people, something keeps happening to them, they're like, well, something's going to happen to them anyway, let's just keep it for one year. That's still the same thing. I guess. Oh, he could have been like... For advertisers. You know, normally we only have people for about a year. I'm just going to hire you for a year. Even if you're perfectly fine at the end of the year, I don't care. Get out of my school. Wow. It's like how they change powers every season. Dumbledore likes doing that. They don't do it every season, do they? Every season of powers is, is a new one. The first yeah. My Muffin was three seasons. And then when... Uh, uh-huh. So the Neo Sabana, they're like technically two seasons for Power group. But also not. Uh-huh. But I think they're going back to one season per group. Yeah. Alright, well, this has nothing to do with Power Rangers, but on page 224, we're still in chapter 14, The Unforgivable Curses. What's in the box, he asked, pointing it out. Funny you should ask, said Hermione, with a nasty look at Ron. I think Harry might have said what's in the box, and I did more of a Ron voice, but... That's okay. She took off the lid and showed them the contents. Inside were about 50 badges, all of different colors, but all bearing the same letters. S-P-E-W. They say badges, but I think they're buttons. Yeah, probably. I think, again, badge is just a British term for buttons. That that seems to be the case the more I read that they're actually buttons. And I think they may refer to them as buttons at some points. Interesting. Um, But this is the uh, first of two times that a student makes buttons in the book. Uh-huh. So is there like a button-making machine in the library or something? I mean, if you make one, you should be able to magically copy it. Uh-huh. But you got to make that first one, so there's got to be some kind yeah, of supplies for it. So the is, there like a, one. is there like a button-making machine in the library? I'm thinking there must be, right? I guess. You go to the library to make your magical button, then you can it's copy the it. the effects and stuff on it. <laughs> yeah. Dumbledore was like, you know, they might need to kill some time. Let's give them some arts and crafts. You know, it's the right kids, next to the macaroni right? and the glue. They're like, how do you entertain children? Ah, oh, arts and crafts. Oh, yes, I remember when I was a child making macaroni things. And some things went wrong within my family. Dumbledore. Too soon. <laughs> Alright, moving along now to chapter 16 uh, The Gobble of Fire, appropriately enough. Appropriate. Page 258. We uh we're we're leaving we're leaving dinner now. This is the uh this is the I guess the night before Halloween, or the night of Halloween. Okay. It is the day that the uh, Darmstrang and Bobatons delegations arrived. Okay. Which I th- think is October. I think it's the day before Halloween, but maybe it's actually Halloween. It's one or the other. Yeah. And of course, in the movie, they arrive the first day of school, but. Anyway, they've been there. They've had dinner. They've announced the Triwizard Tournament and, and how it's. Well, they announced it at the the, uh, 
the uh, arriving feast, but they, yeah. they announced how it's they announced how it's going to play out, how you, how they're going to get the champions, the Goblet of Fire, and everything. Yeah. They activate it and whatnot, and uh, everybody is leaving. And um, all right, let me go back one page so I set the scene correctly. You do that. I am trying to find the page about the section. I just know it's somewhere yeah. in the well, Anyway, on, on page 257, uh, Karkaroff and the Durmstrang students are heading out at the same time that Ron, Harry, and Hermione are, and uh, Harry stops to let Karkaroff and the students pass. Thank you, said Karkaroff carelessly, glancing at him. And then Karkaroff froze. He turned his head back to Harry and stared at him as though he couldn't believe his eyes. Behind their headmaster, the students from Durmstrang came to a halt, too. Karkaroff's eyes moved slowly up Harry's face and fixed upon his scar. The Durmstrang students were staring curiously at Harry, too. Out of the corner of his eye, Harry saw comprehension dawn on a few of their faces. The boy with food all down his front nudged the girl next to him and pointed openly at Harry's forehead. Yeah, that's Harry Potter, said a growling voice from behind them. Professor Karkaroff spun around. Mad-Eye Moody was standing there, leaning heavily on his staff, his magical eye glaring unblinkingly at the Durmstrang headmaster. You, he said, staring at Moody as though unsure he was really seeing him. Me, said Moody grimly, and unless you've got anything to say to Potter, Karkaroff, you might want to move. You're blocking the doorway. Uh... The Darmstrang student showed up before dinner. Mm-hmm. Karkaroff was up at the high table with the teachers. Was Moody just not at dinner that night? Maybe not. He wasn't hungry. And if he was, did Karkaroff just not notice him until now? That's possible, too. I mean, that's, that, that would have been a lot of people. I mean, the, the news had been out there that, that Moody was teaching there. Did Karkaroff just not hear anything about it at this point? He just ignored I know it. they don't have, like, the, uh, the wizard web, but still, news does get out there. Yeah, I think they could have, like, a web of magic. Maybe he just ignored it. He didn't care. Well, no, he reacts like, wow, I can't believe Mad-Eye Moody's here. Yeah. Maybe he ignored... Well, he would care if he was going there and he's troubled by him being there. Don't tell me he wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. And if he literally saw him at the table eating alongside of him, how did he not notice him? That part, I'm not sure. That night. But I'm saying beforehand, any sort of news, he just, like, ignored it in general. You know? I don't think he would ignore that. I think that's oh, pretty big. And I think he keeps his hair out for news, too, because he's worried about, like, the Dark Lord returning or his supporters coming really? after him. Not that Moody is one, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. He's not something that that is. Maybe. Anyway, we'll move along now to Chapter 18, The Weighing of the Wands. This is when uh, Rita Skeeter has pulled Harry out of the room and is interviewing him in the broom closet. Which mm-hmm. I- I do think that is a good line in, in, in the fourth movie where he's like, it's a broom coat. Well, you should feel right at home then. Oh, I hate it, though. Nah, that's pretty funny. I, I it feels a little that. mean. Get whacked, nerd. for Rita Skeeter. True. Get whacked, nerd. Anyway, Rita, Sque- Rita, Rita Skeeter? Rita Skeeter uses a thing called a quick quotes quill where she like sucks on it for a minute and then she puts on the paper and it writes while she's talking. Yes. Uh, but it doesn't write exactly what she says. Like, for instance, she says... Testing, my name is Rita Skeeter, Daily Prophet Reporter, and then it writes, Attractive blonde Rita Skeeter, 43, whose savage quill has punctured many inflated reputations. Oh so boy. I'm wondering exactly how does this quick quotes quill work? Man. Oh my dear God, Gabba. Okay, look, but but no, here, here are my ideas. Is it uh, merely writing what Rita thinks? That's possible. Or is it like AI, where it takes what she's written before and learns from it and attempts to write like she would? Or is it actually doing all the work? It's probably doing all the work. I kind of think of it... I, I think it A mix be, of that I think and it's, AI. I think it's more like the AI. Cause I she couldn't necessarily be thinking all... Even if she's a good writer, she's got to be paying attention to her subject and what she's doing. So I don't know if she's going to think everything out right there. Yeah. She might have some of those thoughts in her head. And, and 
maybe it's doing all the work, but then why do you need a reporter at all? I don't so know. I'm, so I'm thinking it's more of that AI type thing where it, it learns from, or maybe when she sucks on it, because you know, we just can sort of, they don't really take their brains out, but they put some of their, sort of some of their brains and their personalities into the portraits of them, at least the Hogwarts headmasters. Yeah. Too. We've talked about that before. So maybe it's something like that where it just gets some of her in it, and so it's writing like it thinks she would or how she would if she was, had the time yeah. to actually write it out. And I'm not trying to give Rita Skeeter a bunch of credit, but I just realistically think if, the, if you're going to have something that functions this way in the magical world, that would be the way it would function. I agree. Probably. What about you, Dylan? I said probably. Yeah, I know you said probably, but... Probably. Possibly. Probably. It's likely. All right, well, anyway, I'm going to move along now to Chapter 19, The Hungarian Horntail. Dragon! We're going to be on 314, which is the second page in the chapter, if that helps you at all. Maybe. Could still be the first page for you. Yeah. Um, let's see. Much of it have been given, Bogotans. Uh, give me just a minute here. Find my line. If y'all have anything you want to say. Oh, uh, no. Is that I'm currently on page 127. Have you found it? Uh, no, because I don't know exactly what I'm looking for. All right, I guess what I'm getting at here, I don't have a specific quote. Uh, Harry and Hermione are trying to make plans to allow Harry to have the common room to himself so he can talk to Sirius in the fire. Uh-huh. As they have arranged, and their uh, their backup plan, if, if everybody hasn't left the room in time, is for Hermione to drop a bag of dung bombs, which are pretty much just what they sound like. Yeah. From what I tell from the books, they're not explicitly explained, but I think it's pretty obvious what they are. But they say, the text says they hope they wouldn't have to resort to that filch would skin them alive. And so it just uh, makes me question again exactly what filch responsibilities are and what are the responsibilities of the house elves, which we find out are, are uh, you know, living and working at Hogwarts now. Uh, you know, so where's the line between what the house elves do and what filch does? The house elves do. Elves do I assume the house elves don't do laundry because I assume that would uh, free them. And we know there is a laundry at Hogwarts, but beyond that, we hear talk of them straightening the, the up the common kitchen, rooms right? and lighting the fire. They are, but they do other stuff, too. Well, we know they clean up the common rooms and they light the fires and, and, and whatnot. The slow and if you've got that many house elves who have magic, again, it seems pretty cool to be making Filch do this stuff. <laughs> and, uh, oh, talking about Wait, the are they replacing Filch with the, with the house elves, or are they trying to replace the house elves with Filch? I don't know, but... Uh, so I have a lot more evidence for this. If we jump up to uh, chapter 26... <laughs> they don't look for Hogwarts. They work the for The second Filch. task... You see, Felt is actually half house elf. Oh, God. Well, he has no magic. True. But anyway... He without magic. Yes. But it's half house elf. Okay. Anyway, chapter 26, the second task, page 491. I'm jumping ahead because there's a little more uh, text to play into this. Okay. Dobby is, uh... Is he's doing he's talking to Harry. This this is when he uh, wakes Harry up and gives him the gillyweed. Of course, in the movie, it's Nella that gives him the gillyweed. And that yeah. was Barty Cross Jr.'s plan, but it ended up being... He ended up having to resort to uh, getting it to Harry through Dobby. Interesting. Which, again, if they just included Dobby there, they wouldn't have had to try to shoehorn him back in at the beginning of uh, Episode 7, Part 1, just to kill him off at the end. Yeah. It's like, oh, we didn't realize he was going to be important. We just ignore this beloved character. And now we have to... But anyway. Uh, but Dobby says... Uh, Dobby's quite sure, sir. Dobby hears things, sir. He's a house elf. He goes all over the castle and lights the fires and mops the floors. So there's an example of house elves cleaning. We know Filch has to mop sometimes. So again, 
I think only you know, Dobbin Phelps. I think there's about no. There's like a hundred house elves. But they're the only ones cleaning. And Hogwarts. I doubt it. Because uh, Dobby just came to work for Hogwarts this year. Phil. I suppose it's possible, but Hermione certainly makes reference to them like lighting the fires and doing other stuff. Yeah. Maybe that's just some of her political rhetoric for for spew, but maybe she does know that for sure. And Dobby certainly seems to confirm it here. You know, like you say, it could just be Dobby, but I doubt it. I I big time doubt it. Hey, Dobby and Filch. I meant of the house elves. But no, like I said, they're not looking for Hogwarts. They're looking for Filch. Filch got tired of this. He was like, why the hell am I doing all the damn work when you guys have magic? I told him if Filch is using like his entire paycheck on this. Yep. Wait, Filch is using a paycheck on what? Uh, on, on the house elves. House elves aren't paid. The Dobby's True. not is paid. Wow. Because the house elves reject payment. They think it's insulting. True. He uses his paycheck on weird. Dobby. And Dobby gets like a galleon a week. How much is that? Yeah, I, no, I can't remember. What, I could look it up if you want to know. Dobby's the only house I'll think I know, it's I know, Dumb, I know uh, Dumbledore offered him... He's got a life to Dumbledore live. Dumbledore offered him more and weekends off, but Dobby talked him down to less and like one day off a month. Why? Because Dobby likes being free off and being paid, but he likes work more. Dobby, I have some questions for you, buddy. I don't know. Uh, gosh, I don't even know what that where that would be. One of those pages is folded. What do you think Dobby does on his day off? I don't even know. The House of Peep Show? <laughs> I hate myself for that right now. I know this would be... Oh, wait a minute. I, it's, it's it's that, I know what chapter's in. It's the, it's the House of Liberation front. Let me see if I can find that really quickly. Here it is. House of Liberation front. He has a tea party with, like, with, with his nurse. Yeah, here we go. No. Um, here we go. And Professor Dumbledore says he will pay Dobby, sir, if Dobby wants paying. And so Dobby is a free elf, sir, and Dobby gets a galleon a week and one day off a month. And then he, uh, Hermione says, that's not very much. Professor Dumbledore offered Dobby ten galleons a week and weekends off. But Dobby beat him down, miss. Dobby likes freedom, miss. But he isn't wanting too much, miss. He likes work better. Nice. Passed up a lot of money there, though. For, for him, at least. Relatively speaking. I mean, he gets at least one more day. That doesn't make up for the ten, though. I mean, one more day. Well, it was weekends off, but now it's on one day off. So he gets one more day. Of work. He gets one day off a month. Oh, oh one day off a month. Yeah. yeah. So that still doesn't make up. For he was going to make ten gallons a week. Now he makes one. Still doesn't make which up. Which is seventeen. Oh yeah, that's a week. Nice. Which is twenty-nine knots. Yeah, he's nice. not making any more. more. Alright, well, anyway. Look, uh, moving off uh, of Dobby's uh, finances. I'm just saying that. He, he said that Dobby just chills on a beach on his day off. Can we strangle him, please? Not the Isle of Wight? Oh. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It took him a minute to realize what he had said, though. Oh, it wasn't intentional? <laughs> no, it was totally intentional. I intended it. No, because I just looked at him and I was like, no. And it took him a minute. He was like, oh. I'm, I'm funny, I said. <laughs> you intentionally funny? Yes. I was intentional. All right, well, anyway, let's move along now. Uh, still in Chapter 19, The Hungarian Horn Tale. Beautiful. Page 319. This is at the point where uh, Ron is not speaking to Harry. They've, okay. had, they've had the falling out after Harry's name came out of the Goblet of Fire. And they're both being really childish. But whatever, they'll get back together soon. Uh, As after, always. Um, anyway, 
Harry and Hermione have gone into Hogsmeade together. And um, they're in the Three Broomsticks. Good place to be at. Three Broomsticks? I prefer fall. Oh, my God. Yeah, when they come in, Harry spots Ron, who was sitting with Fred, George, and Lee Jordan. And I'm just curious, are uh, Fred and Ron and Ginny all not speaking to Harry, too? That's a good question. There's never any scene that makes it clear one way or the no. other. There, there's a few times they're around and Harry doesn't talk to them at that point, but he wouldn't have necessarily done it anyway. So yeah. It's never made clear in the book if they're siding with Ron or if they're just, hey, of course we still like you, Ron, but we got no problem with Harry, which is what our mind is like, to the point that they're even sitting at like, the same table in uh, the uh, the plant class, Herbology, uh-huh. where she's like between them and she'll talk back and forth between them and they'll just ignore each other. And it's like, I'm not really going to keep this up that long, but man, I digress. Yeah. Well, but the point is, I just wonder if the other Weasleys are ignoring Harry as well. There, there's nothing. Know. Like I said, there's nothing. By the way, I just finished the bottom note on page two of my notes. Oh, my God. Oh, no. I think, isn't it in the movie or something? I know it's not Hey, but Jenny's like talking with Hermione or something doing this. Well, yeah, the Weasleys are, I mean, Ron's talking to Hermione. Well, yeah, I know that. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Ron and Ginny and Hermione, they approach Harry and they try to give him like that cryptic message about the dragons. Yeah. Which, uh, in the book, of course, I don't think has anything to do with Ron. I don't know. Because it's, it's uh, Barty Crouch Jr. as Mad-Eye who convinces Hagrid to tell Harry about it. Nice. Maybe, maybe there's a reference in the books, too, where he's like... No, I, yeah, because he doesn't tell Harry, because it's, it's definitely Barty Crouch Jr. incursion, too. But that's not really wrong. Let's, let's move along, because we got a lot of notes to get through. Facts. I'm only on page three. Although, to be fair, I think there's only like one note on page seven. We are about That's still through. six pages, though. We are almost halfway through the book, though. So we're going to continue. Are we going to be in the same chapter? Because we're only yeah, a couple pages up. Page 321 and 22. Okay. And we're going to have some more uh, Mad-Eye Moody talk here. Mad- still in the, yeah, we're still in the three room six. This is when Mad-Eye's with uh, Hagrid, and he sort of... This is, this is pretty, I'm pretty sure when he convinces Hagrid to tell Harry about the dragons, or... Tell him to meet him so we can show him the dragons. But, uh, Madame Rosemary to the pretty landlady didn't seem to think much of the fact that. Oh, hold on. Yeah, well, Hagrid had his. Let me back up. Yeah. Bottom paragraph on page 321, chapter 19, The Hungarian Horntail. We're in the three broomsticks. Hagrid had his usual enormous tanker in front of him, but Moody was drinking from his hip flask. Madame Rosemary to the pretty landlady didn't seem to think too much of this. She was looking askance at Moody as she collected glasses from tables around them. Perhaps she thought it was an insult to her mauled mead, but Harry knew better. Moody had told them all during their last defense against the dark arts lesson that he preferred to prepare his own food and drink at all times, as it was so easy for dark wizards to poison an unattended cup. And Dumbledore backs this up, saying that Moody is won over only drinking from his hip flask, which is how... Barty Crouch was taking the polyjuice potion. Yeah. But here it says, prepare his own food and drink. But when he got to the welcoming feast, he would drink from his hip flask, but he was eating the food there. True. So apparently he's not that skittish about food that others prepare. No. Cancel, cancel. He's not that something. Maybe. Some sort of Poison spell protection spell. But I know they try to poison Dumbledore with the, uh, the wine that Ron accidentally drinks in book six. So yeah. maybe it's not that easy. Maybe and if they not. could, wouldn't they have, if stuff's coming in the castle, instead of having Filch try to sniff it out, wouldn't... I don't know, because they say he wouldn't detect it anyway, but it seems like if you could do that, you'd be much more cautious about it. But then again, maybe they were. Yeah. That being something that was being sent, you know, straight to 
Oh. Yeah. Uh, Professor Slughorn. Maybe they didn't bother to check. I don't know, but if there is such a spell... They never use it. Yeah. I wouldn't think there was necessarily something that's that catch-all anyway. I think you have to be a little more precise with your antidotes. Probably. Magic's only convenient when it needs to be. Well, anyway. I think for the most part, it works out pretty well in these books. Yeah. Anyway, moving along, uh, still in chapter 19, the Hungarian Horn Big chapter. Now on page 330. Uh, this, uh, speaking of security. Okay. I, I have a note that says they uh, sure are lax about security when it comes to this mysterious first task. Because, uh, of course, Hagrid is able to, you know, Hagrid comes to see and he brings Madame Maxime with him and Harry under the invisibility cloak. And as Harry's leaving, he bumps into Karkaroff, who's sneaking around the forest going to see the dragon. So, again, oh, this big mysterious first task that nobody's supposed to know about, it, at least nobody involved. Not, not necessarily involved in the tournament, but it's the uh, champions and their friends and professors and whatnot are not supposed to know about it, but everybody's able to find out about it, so... Yeah. There's some of that lax wizard security we were just Wizards about. are great it's, when it it's comes to It's a puzzle. Security. People gotta figure it out. Something like that. Okay, haven't that the champions figure out the other people? <laughs> it's possible. It's gonna walk through first. It's, it's not a terrible walk. Anyway, still in uh, chapter 19, the Hungarian Horntail, on page 334. Now, this is when Harry's having this conversation with Sirius. Sirius is using, a, he, he's broken into a wizarding house, and he's using the fire to do that weird flu network, only your head travels, but your body stays behind, so you can have a Literally. conversation. Basically using the fireplace like a, like a video phone. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the wizard version of Zoom. But uh, I'm just curious, having seen that, do Hogwarts students ever use, like, a teacher's fire to make a call home if there's an emergency? Like, like when I was a kid in school, sometimes you'd have to go to the office and call home for some reason. Did the students at Hogwarts ever have to do that? Maybe. I know you can write letters, but it's not quite as instant as facts. using the fire. Big facts. What do you think, Dylan? I guess maybe Dumbledore yeah. has like a fire in his office for students to use. Uh, uh, maybe the the heads of the houses. Well, that's what I'm saying. Because I, I know well, they also have to have a fireplace. Cool. Who? The kids' parents, like if they, I think most if they houses do probably due to the flu powder stuff. Yeah, I think it's pretty common. But if if you're that one unlucky kid, sorry for ya. How fine. <gasps> Too bad, Timmy. For sure, Harry call. Well, no, I'm not saying Harry specifically. I'm just saying to any students. I know. I'm just saying him for him though. Yeah, like, no, technically, not. he should be calling Dursley's, but I don't think that would go over very no, well. Like I say, I'm just wondering if Power students ever do that. Probably. Okay, that didn't yield as much as I thought it would, so I'm going to move along now to Chapter 20, the first task. This is when the uh, champions have to try to retrieve the golden egg from the dragon guarding it. Yes. And uh, I know there's probably a reason they can't, but it's not explicitly stated in the text, so I do need to ask, why not just Accio the egg? Accio golden egg! Osseo the egg. I mean, so that's a very I mean, good question. It probably question. wouldn't work. It's probably one of those cases where it's protected from having to. But nobody doesn't like anybody it could even tries. Be. Nobody. True. When they get their instructions, they don't explicitly say, "Don't bother osseoing it. Don't use a summoning spell. You got to come up with something else." It's too obvious. They don't expect anybody to try it, but they know if they do say that's it, then the they'll try it. So they don't try. say it, and it's just so obvious that the that the champions just assume 
that they've got to be more creative that than that. Because Harry's, Harry's able to osseo his broom to him, but he yeah. doesn't even think about calling the egg. Yeah, I'm saying it's just one of those things that the answer is so obvious, it's right in front of your face to the point that you're not going to notice none it. Of the other Can he osseo people? What? Can he osseo people? Osseo people? Um... I well, I know when they're doing. I want to say it's the banishing charm, mm-hmm. which is later on in this book. One or more of the students sends Flitwick across the room with it. <laughs> so if you can banish something, you could probably summon it. I mean, it'd probably not be very fun for the person being occupied. I mean, may would have to depend on how strong you are magically versus how strong they are magically. Yeah. Like if you know. Harry tried to summon Dumbledore or something, he might be like, I don't think so. Really. <laughs> Dumbledore goes to the floor of his office. But I suppose you could. I mean, I, I assume it wouldn't be good etiquette, even in the cutthroat wizarding world. <laughs> oh, I was reading a book, god damn it! <laughs> I'm sorry, Dumbledore, I need to talk to you. Well, you could have walked up the stairs, but my leg's broken. Do you think I care? <laughs> That's a bit that not, hashtag not my double. God damn it, Harry! Could have sent an owl Fucking called via the fire. You saw the in the good goddamn name of Dumbledore. <laughs> I mean, look, Dumbledore's not gonna be happy when you kill him. No, but I don't think he would be totally insensitive to Harry's predicament of having a broken light. Which, to be fair, Madame Pomfrey could have mended in about a trice. But... <laughs> anyway, let's move along now. Uh, chapter twenty-one: the aforementioned the House Elf Liberation Front chapter. Page uh, 367. Oh, this is uh, the same page I referenced earlier with the uh, the model of the horntail. Wonderful. But in this case, I wanted to point out, as I kind of did earlier, whatever happened to his model of the horntail? It's literally never mentioned after losing on his bedside tail. So maybe it was really wild and it did fly away. Maybe. <laughs> you, you left your model well, on the bedside. It's one of those things like Fluffy that we never see again. <laughs> Look, sometimes a pet It flew off. Away. It's with Fluffy. It's Fluffy's new toy. And like Arnold the Pigmy Puff. If it's in the toy, I'd be eaten. Probably be a snack. Yeah. <laughs> it's Fluffy's new For buddy. For big old Spot. Fluffy. Yes, this one is named Fluffy. The other one is named Spot. The Fluffy Spot. I'm still not over that. All right. Uh, let's move on. Couple pages up. Still in chapter twenty-one, the House Elf Liberation Front. This time we're on page three hundred and seventy-one. Nice. I don't have digital numbers right now. This we are in a uh, Care of Magical Creatures class. Nice. With uh, Professor Hagrid, when uh, Rita Skeeter comes along, even ah. though Hagrid says that uh, Dumbledore says she wasn't on the grounds anymore. Interesting. But um. She's setting up an appointment with Hagrid so they can get together and he can talk to her about a uh, supposedly a, a, a Magical Creatures article in The Prophet. And, uh, Harry had a very bad feeling about this, but there was no way of communicating it to Hagrid without Rita Skeeter, Rita Skeeter seeing. So he had to stand and watch in silence as Hagrid and Rita Skeeter made arrangements to meet in Three Broomsticks for a good long interview later that week. I, uh, and then uh, Harry goes on to say, under his breath, to Ron Hermione. She'll twist everything he says. Why not just speak out in front of Rita Skeeter? Is he worried about hurting her feelings? Like, a bad I, w- I wouldn't do it, Hagrid. You can't trust that girl, that hag, that woman, that witch, that whatever. I mean, seriously. He's got to be careful, you know. That could make that could end up in the Daily Prophet next. But I don't think Harry cares either. Probably not. 
Yo, fuck you. By the way, that was page 150. So I don't know why he'd be worried about hurting her feelings or, or what it would hurt for him to seriously say, Hagger, she twists everything people say. We've I've, we've heard it over and over through this book when you're not reading the other chapters with Mr. Weasley. <laughs> All right, His characters that read the book as it's being written. That sounds like an awesome idea for a story. Possibly. That, that copyright us. Nobody steal that. <laughs> the, oh, how are we going to win this? Pulls out book. Oh, that's how we're supposed to win this. Sky. That's, there's, there's a movie where there's a joke like that where they pull out the script. Nice. I feel as though there's something. I think it's Spaceballs. Other than that. Might, it might be Robin's Remain in Tights, but I think it's Spaceballs. They pull out script. Oh, he does. He does. Yeah. yeah I I'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure other movies could have referenced it as well. What now, Lexi? Said I do think that Space Balls. Yeah. Space Balls is pretty good. Yeah. It is. All right, well, we're going to wrap up part one of part two of our deep dive into Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Boy, that sounds confusing. This is our second deeper look at this book, and this is the first half of it. And we're wrapping it up here because we don't want to make it too long. We're going to be back next week with the second part of it, continuing where we left off. Uh, but until then, when the conversation does continue, I am and will continue to be Maddie. Lexi. Della. And this is Lexi Concluded. Bye. Bye.